good day friends now we will be listening to geeta rahasya which was uh, authored by lokmanya bal gangadhar tilak and the english translation of the original marathi book was published in the year 1935 so in the beginning uh, let us hear what uh, mr tilak had to say on the geeta rahasya let me begin by telling you what induced me to take up the study of bhagavad gita when i was quite a boy I was often told by my elders that strictly religious and really philosophical life was incompatible with the humdrum life of everyday if one was ambitious enough to try to attain moksha the highest goal a person could attain then he must divest himself of all the earthly desires and renounce this world one could not serve two masters the world and god i understood this to mean that if one would lead a life which was a life worth living according to the religion in which i was born then the sooner the world was given up the better this set me thinking the question that i formulated for myself to be solved was Does my religion want me to give up this world and renounce it before I attempt to or in order to be able to attain the perfection of manhood in my boyhood I was also told that Bhagavad Gita was universally acknowledged to be a book containing all the principles and philosophy of the hindu religion and i thought if this be so i should find an answer in this book to my query and thus began my study of the bhagavad gita i approached the book with mind prepossessed by no previous ideas about any philosophy and had no theory of my own for which i sought any support in the gita a person whose mind is prepossessed by certain ideas reads the book with a prejudiced mind 
For instance, when a Christian reads it, he does not want to know what the Gita says, but wants to find out if there are any principles in the Gita which he has already met with in the Bible. And if and if so, the conclusion he rushes to is that the Gita was copied from the Bible. I had I have dealt with this topic in my book Gita Rahasya. And I need hardly say much about it here. But what I want to emphasize is this, that when you want to read and understand a book, especially a great work like Gita, you must approach it with an unprejudiced and unprepossessed mind. To do this, I know. To do this, I know is one of the most difficult things. Those who profess to do it may have a lurking thought or prejudice in their minds which vitiates the reading of the book to some extent. However, I am describing to you the frame of mind one must get into if one wants to get at the truth and however difficult it be, it has to be done. The next thing one has to do is to take into consideration the time and the circumstances in which the book was written and the purpose for which the book was written. In short, the book must not be read devoid of its context. This is especially true about a book like Bhagavad Gita. Various commentators have put as many interpretations on the book and surely the writer or composer could not have written or composed the book for so many interpretations being put on it. He must have put one meaning and one purpose running through the book and that I have tried to find out. I believe I have succeeded in it because having no theory of mine for which I sought any support from the book so universally respected. I had no reason to twist the text to suit my theory. There has not been a commentator of the Gita who did not advocate a pet theory of his own and has not tried to support the same by showing that the Bhagavad Gita lent him support. The conclusion I have come to is that the Gita advocates the performance of action in this world even after the actor has achieved 
the highest union with the supreme deity by jnana meaning knowledge or bhakti meaning devotion this action must be done to keep the world going by the right path of evolution which the creator has destined the world to follow in order that the action may not bind the actor it must be done with the aim of helping his purpose and without any attachment to the coming result this i hold is a lesson of the gita jnana yoga there is yes bhakti yoga there is yes who says not but they are both subservient to the karma yoga preached in the gita if the gita was preached to desponding arjuna to make him ready for the fight for the action how can it be said that the ultimate lesson of the great book is bhakti or jnana alone in fact there is a blending of all these yogas in the gita and as the air is not oxygen or hydrogen or any other gas alone but a composition of all these in a certain proportion so in the gita all these yogas are blended into one i differ from almost all the commentators when i say that the gita enjoins action even after the perfection in jnana and bhakti is attained and the deity is reached through these mediums now there is a fundamental unity underlying the logos meaning ishwara man and the world the world is in existence because the logos has willed it so it is his will that holds it together man strives to gain union with god and when this union is achieved the individual will merge in the mighty universal will when this is achieved will the individual say i shall do no action and i shall not help the world the world which is because the will with which he has sought union has willed it to be so it does not stand the reason it is not i who say so the gita says so 
Shri Krishna himself says that there is nothing in all the three worlds that he needs need acquire and still he acts he acts because if he did not the world will the world will be ruined he acts because if he did not the world will be ruined if man seeks unity with the deity he must necessarily seek unity with the interests of the world also and work for it if he does not then the unity is not perfect because there is union between two elements out of the three that is man and deity and the third meaning the world is left out i have thus solved the question for myself and i hold that serving the world and thus serving his will is the surest way of salvation and this way can be followed by remaining in the world and not going away from it this was a summary of the speech of mr tilak on gita rahasya the karma yoga which i preach is not a new theory neither was the discovery of the law of karma made as recently as today the knowledge of the law is so ancient that not even shri krishna was the great teacher who first propounded it it must be remembered that karma yoga has been our sacred heritage from times immemorial when we indians were seated on the high pedestal of wealth and lore karma yoga or to put it in another way the law of duty is the combination of all that is best in spiritual science in actual action and in an unselfish meditative life compliance with this universal law leads to the realization of the most cherished ideas of man such was the doctrine taught by our forefathers who never intended that the goal of life should be meditation alone no one can expect providence to protect one who sits with folded arms and throws his burden on others god does not help this indolent god does not help the indolent you must be doing all that you can to lift yourself up and then only may you rely on the almighty to help you you should not however presume 
that you have to toil that you should not however presume that you may have to toil that you yourself might reap the fruit of your labor that cannot always be the case let us then try our utmost and leave the generations to come to enjoy the fruit remember it is not you who had planted the mango trees the fruit whereof you have tasted let the advantage now go to our children and their descendants it is only given to us to toil and work and so there ought to be no relaxation in our efforts lest we incur the curse of those that come after us action alone must be our guiding principle action disinterested and well thought out it does not matter who the sovereign is it is enough if we have full liberty to elevate ourselves in the best possible manner this is called immutable dharma and karma yoga is nothing but the method which leads to the attainment of dharma or material and spiritual glory god has declared his will he has will that self can be exalted only through its own efforts everything lies in your hands karma yoga does not look upon this world as nothing it requires only that your motives should be untainted by selfish interest and passion this is the true view of practical vedanta the key to which is apt to be lost in sophistry this was earlier printed in pune sarvajanik sabha quarterly now uh let us listen to some information on geeta rahasya the vedas he discovered the ancient home of the aryas although the geeta rahasya was the last book to be published in point of time yet greater importance must be attached to that book than to the two other books if one bears in mind the history of the writing of these two books these two books have come into existence only as a result of the investigations made by him into the import of the gita in his introduction to orian 
Orion. He has made a reference to his study of the Gita. The two books were published in due course and they were talked of all the world over. But the Lokmanya could not get a propitious moment for starting the writing of the Gita Rahasya until he went to jail for the third time. The ideas regarding the two other books were also conceived during his previous imprisonments. He could not free from the burden of public work and get the necessary peace and leisure for writing the book until he was in jail. But before he could actually start writing the book, he had to overcome many difficulties. It is best to describe these difficulties in his own words. Three different orders were received at three different times regarding the book. After a few days, the order of leaving all my books with me was cancelled and a new order was received that only four books should be left with me at a time. When I complained about this to the government of Burma, another order was received that all the books should be left with me to enable me to write the book. At the date when I was released from jail, the number of books with me was between 350 to 400. I was given bound books and not the loose pages for writing. After the pages in them had been counted and numbered on either side, I was not given ink for writing but only a lead pencil and that too really sharpened. This has been covered in the interview with Lok Manya Tilak after his release from jail published in the Kesari of 30th June 1914. If the readers put some pressure on their imagination, they cannot but have before their eyes a clear picture of what difficulties had to be overcome by him and what trouble he experienced while he was writing the book. Despite all this, he got the manuscript of the book ready for for printing in the winter of 1910. The fact of the rough draft of the book being ready for printing is mentioned by him in a letter written in the beginning of the year 1911 and that letter has been printed in toto in an issue of the Maratha published in the month of March 
1911 in order that the exposition of the gita made by him in the gita rahasya should be easier to follow for his readers lokmanya tilak delivered four lectures during the ganpati festival in the year 1914 after this the printing of the work was taken in hand and the first edition of the book was published in june 1915 the subsequent history is well known to everybody so we will listen to the next parts of this book geeta rahasya authored by lokmanya bal gangadhar tilak in the next parts thank you very much for your patience and hearing